one must make sure, surely, to be properly equipped and fully armoured, really, for the battles that lay ahead of them. And indeed, recently we've seen a terrible war breaking out, haven't we, in Ukraine, where we see uh, an unprovoked attack, really, by the President of Russia, indiscriminately upon its neighbour and upon the Ukrainian people. Now, friends, the leader of Ukraine, President Zelensky, knows full well, doesn't he, the absolute necessity of being properly equipped. He is crying out to the world, saying, I need to be properly equipped. I must be fully armoured and able to take on this Goliath, this superpower, as it were. He's basically saying, I've got, we've got the heart. We're willing to fight, as it were. Our people are willing to fight our freedoms, our land, our, for, our, for our families. But we need to be equipped, you see. We, 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 we are being undiscriminately attacked by uh, the president of Russia in particular, and by the superpower. We are outgunned, as it were, in the air, on the land. They have far more people, far more tanks, far more than us. And he's, he's calling upon the world. We must, if you will, just give us the armory, give us the equipment. We can defend ourselves. We stand a chance against this aggressor. And in like manner, dear church family, does the word of God call us here today to prepare for that greater warfare, greater than that which is going on at the moment in Ukraine, which of course is a spiritual warfare, isn't it? Between good and evil, light and darkness. And we need not be ignorant of the, these things, friends. We must be those who are switched on. Behind the attacks on Ukraine is a spiritual warfare, isn't there? Verse 13 of God's Word says today, Wherefore take unto you the whole armour of God. It says take the whole armour of God. Don't put it partially on. Don't take part of it on. Wherefore take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. You see, friends, God wants to arm you, to fully arm you, to fully protect you. And more importantly, the most precious thing that you have, which he has given you, and that, of course, is your very soul. He wants to equip and arm your eternal soul. Like I've always said, your body really is your shell, isn't it? It's your shell that, that protects the pearl of your soul. And friends, of course, we must be those who are not ignorant of these things. Now friends, the Apostle Paul here is encouraging those who are, who are already commissioned of God, who have already been called as Christians to engage in the spiritual warfare. But today I'd really like to uh, apply this text to both Christians and seekers alike. Those who are not only Christians, but also those who are seeking God's protection, seeking protection for the soul. In any warfare of life, 
There are things which are absolutely needful, aren't there, for those who are serious in terms of the battles that lay ahead of them. And one of these needful aspects, which the scripture furnishes with us today, is strength. We must be strong. We must have strength and courage. Do you have strength and courage? And unlike conventional warfare, which really requires outward military might and strength, the spiritual warfare requires spiritual strength. Strength really encouraged within the soul, an enduring strength. Dear friends, from within your very heart and soul, this strength, of course, is a supernatural strength, isn't it? Which only God can give. We read of the supernatural strength. We read of the supernatural strength earlier, didn't we? In Judges 7. How that God gave Gideon, with just 300 men, the victory over the Midianites. Just 300 men. They were 30,000 plus to begin with. God said, I don't need, I don't need 30,000 men. And then he knocked off almost two-thirds, down to 10,000 men. I don't need 10,000 either. It's too many. I don't want Israel to think that they have won the battle by their own strength, in other words. And, and the Lord brought it down to 300 men. And just with 300 men, God gave Israel the victory over the Midianites and of the people of the east and their great host, tens of thousands of men. This, dear friends, is the Lord's doing, and it's marvellous in our sight. This is strength from above, strength in the soul. In like manner does the word of God call us, in verse 10, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, we must be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We must depend upon strength from God, strength from Christ, from the Saviour, looking to the Lord for strength, looking at, to His power and His might to overcome those spiritual battles that lay ahead of us. You see, friends, if you and I are serious about overcoming the powers of darkness, in our lives, those inner corruptions and those outer darkness and the principalities and the, the, the powers of darkness we have to fight against, we cannot do it in our own natural strength. We need our Maker. We need the Saviour, don't we? A host of hell, dear friends, is employed against us. At, at every moment it's employed against us. As we leave today's uh, church today, there will be a host of dark forces that will want you to forget today's message, that will want you to be distracted and to perhaps think upon the sunshine. Perhaps many people are not here today because of the sunshine. Perhaps the, uh, the host of hell is already saying, well, look how lovely it's out, outside today. Well, let's go for a walk. Let's not, not go to church. Let us do other things. As it were, that the devil, dear friends, has got a thousand ways of beguiling unstable souls. And so a host of hell, dear friends, is employed. 
The devil, dear friends, has had many hundreds of years, hasn't he, to practice. He is an old servant because he's experienced and beguiling souls, isn't he, friends? He's subtle. He's far more clever than us. He's far more powerful than us. We must not be ignorant to his devices. The devil and his fallen angels want to prevent us from knowing God savingly. That's, that's his aim. Uh, and he wants to desperately prevent us from going to heaven, from having a relationship with our God. And he will do his utmost to try to deceive us, even with good things, to employ the means of grace, to truly seek him and to seek his faith. And that's why it says in verses 11 and 12, Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, we must put on the whole armour of God. We must be serious about putting on the whole armour. Not partially putting it on, but put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This is implying, if we don't put on the full armour of God, we leave ourselves vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There are dark forces at play here, aren't there? There are dark powers and principalities that hold people captive in their sin, that prevent them really from seeking God's strength and seeking God's blessing. And we must not be ignorant of them. Dear church family, a soldier can be ever so well armed, but if he had not spiritual strength and courage from the Almighty, then the armour the armor is pointless. It, it renders itself uh, not fit. Like Saul's armoury, uh, David tried to put it on, but it was useless, wasn't it? It didn't fit. And the world tries to, as it were, give it, us its armoury. And it's useless, dear friends, unless it's girded, really, with strength and courage from above. We need a new heart, don't we? A strong heart, to, to, a spiritual heart, a heart that's governed by the Lord. Goliath, of course, was well armed, wasn't he? Outwardly and strong, with mail of shield and, and had all these things physically, but he was no match for the ruddy young shepherd boy, David, wasn't he? Well, God endowed David, this young lad, as it were, with strength from above. He didn't need the world's fake armory, did he? He trusted in God's armory. He went, as it were, to the rivers of grace. And he picked up those stones, those stones smoothed over, as it were, by the living waters, that which is from heaven. And God gave him strength, as it were, to trust that he would, he would overcome this Philistine who tried to defy the armies of the living God. And God directed that smooth stone into the head, the forehead, right through, right, right in between all the world's armory, right into the forehead as it were, of Goliath. There are really two things which are needful of knowing God's divine strength. The first is to know our own weakness, 
really, and inability to save ourselves. That is a fundamental truth of Scripture. In order to know of God's strength, we must understand that we are weak, and we are frail, and we are uh, unable to save ourselves by our own knowledge, by our own strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's made perfect in weakness. When we understand that we are what we ought to be, that we understand that we fall way, way short of the mark, that our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. We must understand our own weakness, friends. The second needful thing of knowing God's divine strength is that you and I must understand that it's a free gift of God, isn't it? It's a free gift, not by the works of the law, but it's a, it's a free gift. God gives, doesn't he, the gift of his Son and salvation, dear friends. Indeed, it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. This, this, dear friends, helps us overcome our enemies. Christ has overcome our enemies. Not of works, lest any man should boast. True heavenly strength comes, therefore, by utter dependence upon Christ, His love, His mercy, and His sovereign grace in our life. It comes through utter dependence. And when we're not dependent upon the Lord, that's when we're prone to fall. That's when we're prone to fall back as Christians and vulnerable to attack. The devil attacks us often. But if we, if we constantly watch and pray, and by prayer and by faith are putting on the spiritual armour, we'll be ready for those sudden attacks. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, says Hebrews 4.16. Now, dear church family, if you and I know Christ as Saviour and Lord of our lives, we have true strength, don't we? Strength from God, strength from within the soul, strength throughout eternity, divine strength. And those who are true Christians are exhorted, who have this strength from above, to put on the full armour of God. We must apply it, you see. A head knowledge is not enough. We must put on and take what God has already prepared. Put on the full armour of God, says the Apostle. In fact, it mentions it twice, doesn't it? It highlights it in today's passage. Put on and take it. It's saying, it's highlighting to us. Apply it. Don't, don't just have a knowledge, apply these truths to your life daily. Don't leave yourself vulnerable to spiritual attack, as it were. And I fear, this is why so many Christians really don't progress in the spiritual warfare. You know, some Christians who have been Christians for many years, it almost seems like they're new babes in Christ. Because they're not applying the word of God to their lives. Christian brothers and sisters in Christ... Let us be sure to put on and take the whole armour of God. Dear friends, don't leave yourself open to spiritual attack and vulnerable to the enemies of your soul for want of not taking what God so wants 
to fully equip you with and protect you with. President Zelensky of Ukraine is saying, help, I want as much armory as possible, I want to be fully armed. I've got a superpower coming against me here. Give me everything, give it to me. And that must be our attitude. We who have been given strength. Now I don't know his condition, his spiritual condition, if he's a Christian or not. But his, the attitude he's come across should be that of the Christians. I've been given the strength from above. I've got a heart for the Lord. And I must apply and put on daily this. I want to be armed. I'm calling every day by prayer to be armed of this armory. To face the host of hell that's against me. Especially against the Christian friends. Spiritual strength in Christ enables us not only to not yield our bodies to sin and to temptation, dear friends, but also to pride and envy and malice and sin. But it also gives us that supernatural, indestructible faith to employ the means of grace in the spiritual warfare. What is this divine armory? which is described here, which you and I must trust in and fully put on and take by faith. Remember, we must trust in this full armory that God gives. If we do not trust in our, the captain of our salvation, if we do not trust in God's word and his promises, dear friends, then it all falls apart. We must fully trust and fully depend, and fully apply, and put on, as it were, the full armour by faith. Verses 14 through 17 read concerning this armoury, this armoury of light that God gives. It says, verse 14 through 17, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Here is the Christian's spiritual armory, isn't it? The particulars include the military girdle, or the soldier's spiritual belt, as it were, mentioned in verse 14. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. The girdle, or the military belt, binds, doesn't it? And secures all other pieces of the armory for the soldier. And so you can imagine the Roman soldier, as it were. The belt would adjoin, as it were, bind and secure the breastplate and the other parts of the armory together. Without the belt, as it were, without the Christian girding about the belt, all the rest of the armory renders it useless. It all comes together, you see. And so too does the truth, as it is in Christ. Prepare the Christian soldier for the battle, really, that lays ahead of them. The Lord will not countenance a hypocrite, dear friends. 
without truth and sincerity towards God, all the other pieces cannot be fastened, they will, they will fail us. Uh, and so truth must be our rule, as it were. God requires truth in the inward parts, dear friends, in our hearts and in our minds. And so, like I said, God will never count us a hypocrite, as it were. If we truly want the spiritual armory, we must be those who have a heart sincerely for the Lord, to be governed in our hearts and our minds to the Lord. We cannot say one thing, but in our hearts mean another thing. We cannot say, well, yes, I stand for the Lord, but really in our hearts, iniquity is there. We, we regard our sin, we regard iniquity. Our sin will find us out in the end, won't it? Truth binds the other parts of the army together. Without it, we are vulnerable, aren't we, friends? And so those who live the gospel put it on, don't they, dear friends? They are the ones who are blessed. Not the, the, the people who say, they can say all the words of the world. But if you're not doers of the word of God, it's pointless, isn't it? Next we have the breastplate of righteousness, verse 14. The breastplate was, of course, to secure the vitals of the heart, wasn't it? You can lose a leg, uh, uh, and you can lose your hand, as it were, and you can still fight, can't you? But you can't lose your heart, can you? If, if you lose your heart, if you lose your courage and strength, as it were, you're dead. You need your heart, don't you? And so the breastplate of righteousness is, is, is Christ-imputed righteousness, isn't it? That is the Christian's breastplate. That when God looks upon the Christian, he doesn't see, as it were, their sin anymore. He doesn't see their failures and their falls anymore. He sees the imputed righteousness of his Son. And the Christian is daily reminded of that. That the Lord, although I fail the Lord, and although I don't, I, I, I don't love the Lord as I ought to love the Lord, I, I, I seek to, be, to put on the full armor. I do all these things, but I know that God looks upon me because he's made a covenant with me through his Son, and that he loves me, and that his mercy is open to me still. And so that is a, is, is a, is a breastplate of righteousness. It protects our hearts. As it were, we don't go off back into the world as it were saying, I'm not the Lord's anymore. I'm condemned now. No, no, no. I have, I know who I have believed in. I know the change in my heart is real, as it were. And I'm trusted in his imputed righteousness. When he looks upon me now, he doesn't see my failures at times. He, he sees the righteousness of his son. And what a great blessing this is for, for Christians. It protects true, vital religion, doesn't it? Heartfelt religion. That's what it protects, doesn't it? Dear friends, like the breastplate, protects the heart. Without Christ's righteousness, we could not stand before our Maker, can we? We cannot stand because of divine wrath. God demands absolute perfection of righteousness. We cannot stand, but the breastplate of righteousness, as it were, God sees the righteousness of his Son imputed to us. God must punish sin, and we are all sinners in need of being made right. And if we're true Christians, we have this breastplate of righteousness.
And we need to remind ourselves of it, don't we? And uh, thank and praise the Lord for it. The breastplate of Christ's imputed righteousness also protects us against the attacks of Satan and his temptations and his accusations, as it were. We know that our love can sometimes be faint, as it were. And we know sometimes that we can let down the shield of our faith, dear friends, and it can wane at times. But we know that no one can ever take away our salvation because Christ has risen. We trust in Him. We trust in His righteousness. We trust in that efficacious work of grace in our hearts. Next are the soldiers' shoes, mentioned in verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. A soldier's shoes, or brass greaves, as we know from Samuel, really. Uh, these brass greaves were to protect them from the enemy, the traps and the snares laid privily. The devil, friends, lays many snares, many traps, privily for us. There's a thousand of them, as it were. Every week we face many of them, dear friends. And so these brass traps, as it were, this preparation of the gospel of peace brings about a resolved frame of mind, doesn't it? To adhere to peace with all men, despite how we're treated, despite how our enemies speak of us and gossip about us and lay traps for us and are full of envy and pride and malice and revenge. We don't react like the world reacts, do we? We are peace uh, with all men. If we have, have peace, if we've had peace with God through His Son, then a life of heartfelt repentance follows, doesn't it, friends? We, we won't react how we used to react, will we? Full of pride and reaction and debate and quarrel, as it were. There's a difference God has made. We want peace in our lives. And yes, sometimes we can fall into this trap, but increasingly, if we're putting on, as it were, these spiritual shoes, these brass greaves, as it were, we won't be easily provoked. We won't be easily offended. We won't be prone to quarrel and, and selfish debate. We will be like our Saviour, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, gentle, showing indeed that our feet are shod with the preparation of gospel, of the gospel of peace. Next is the Christian's shield, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Notice that. It says, all the fiery darts of the wicked. That must be the Christian's aim. Not just some of them, but all of them. We can overcome all these things. Faith must be the Christian's chief shield. Faith must be taken above all things because otherworldly shields can let us down, can't they? People put their trust in money or earthly securities or confidence of man's ways. And this can perhaps provide uh, a, 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 a sub element of security for a while, but they will always fail us won't they, dear friends? 
The shield of faith, as it were, must be the, the Christian's chief shield in the spiritual warfare. Faith is what acts in the hour of temptation, doesn't it? That's what makes the difference for the, for the Christian. Quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. When the devil, as it were, fires those fiery and those sudden temptations to, to, to provoke us, to pride, as it were, or to lust, or whatever it may be, when the devil fires those fiery darts, the faith we have in Christ, the faith that he can give us the power to subdue those passions, to quench those fiery temptations, well, that's what makes a difference for the Christian, isn't it? Faith in God's love and goodness to us is a shield as well, isn't it? Because we can, can fall in the battle, but the Lord is there to pick us up again. We have faith in the Lord that he can do this. The shield of faith, of course, is a gift, isn't it? Faith. It doesn't come naturally to us. It's a free gift. Same with repentance. And so be sure to prayerfully use it, dear friends. The shield of faith protects us from all sides, doesn't it? From those fightings from within, those inner corruptions and those outer corruptions. The shield of faith in Christ and his words conquers all our fears, doesn't it? We, we, we trust and we have faith in Christ's words, in his promises to us. And so it should conquer all our fears, so that we're not governed by our fears and by our feelings, but by the word of God, by the truth. And dear friends, the shield of faith will have the victory over the world in the end, won't it? That's what the shield of faith will have. Next is the Christian's helmet in verse 17. And take the helmet, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects the head, doesn't it? It protects the mind. It is the Christian's sure and certain hope of salvation, isn't it? Which really has been well founded upon Christ uh, and his truth and his righteousness, his gospel, which we own by faith, isn't it? That is the Christian's helmet, dear friends, is the sure hope of salvation, which is grounded upon Christ and his merits alone. And this is, has a, is a truly comforting to the true born-again Christian. We take great comfort and knowing that we have salvation, that our salvation is not of our own doing, that it's of Christ. And that his truth, his righteousness, his gospel we own by faith. And so it is a great comfort to all believers, dear friends. Just being reminded of it is a great comfort. And finally we have the Christian's sword, verse 17, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is the Christian's sword, isn't it? Having our swords girded always to the belt of truth. We must always have the Word of God, our Bibles, girded, as it were, close by us, ready, as it were, in our hearts, like David uh, said. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Oh, oh the word of God, as it were, must always be girded to the belt of truth. We must always have it to hand in our hearts, at hand, really, because the devil 
It's never far away. And so we must always be prepared to give an answer to the truth that lies within us. We must always use scripture as Christ used scripture, as a defense, as it were, from the attacks of the enemy, and as an offense to pursue our enemy, to evangelize and go out, as it were, and to chase, as it, as it were, our, our enemies with the gospel, to that which can make the difference, that which can uh, take away their captivity from the devil, as it were, and that which can uh, bring light into their hearts and to their souls. And so this is the word of, of God, isn't it? This is the sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is a double-edged sword, isn't it? Which is the Spirit, which the Spirit chiefly uses to the salvation of souls. It cuts right through to the soul, doesn't it? It gets right through to the, the heart of the matter, the reason why we exist, our obligation to our maker. Uh, for us to, to seek his salvation, it's a double-edged sword because it cuts, doesn't it? And it leaves injured and it, and it leaves us with our need of salvation. It, it cuts and it comforts, it heals, doesn't it? The Christian sword is not only, again, a defence, but it's a weapon of offence, doesn't it? We must use it in this way, dear Christian. We must be found faithful to it in this way. The Christian sword is one of light that repels darkness, doesn't it, dear friends? It's a light and a guide unto our feet and to our path. Christ often used it, didn't he? Thus saith the scriptures. What do the scriptures say? And this must be our guide as well. And dear friends, constant and sincere prayer, dear friends, is what buckles on this divine armory, as it implies in verse 8. Sincere, heartfelt prayer to the Lord and constant, fervent prayer buckles on this armory, as it were. Verse 18 says, praying always. Always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. Constant, sincere prayer buckles on this armory, where we fetch, as it were, this armory from the Lord. But when we pray, I need this armory, we pray sincerely to the Lord for this armory. Well, the Lord gives it, doesn't he? Dear Christian, are you on guard, spiritually speaking? Are you on spiritual watch? Have you put on and taken, as it were, the full armour of God, God's armour of light and of righteousness, to keep you in the narrow way, as it were, to keep you uh, in the spiritual warfare that lies ahead of us? And so, in conclusion... Let me just say this. There is one place which the armory, the spiritual armory of God, does not defend. And of course, that's the back, isn't it? That's the back. If we turn our backs upon our maker, and so wonderful a salvation that we have, then there's no armor for the back, isn't there? There's no protection. We will be vulnerable to attack, prone to fall, often if we neglect this divine armory, if we do not seek God's strength, if we do not seek God's armory, if we do not pray by faith 
and put on this divine armory every day. There, there is no joy for the backslider, is there? There's no joy at all. We're prone to keep on falling if we turn our backs upon our, our maker. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a sheep running and jumping, as it were, in the mire and wallowing in the mire, as it were, covering itself with mud and loving it. I've never seen that, and neither should the true Christian in Christ, as it were, go back into the world and wallow in the mire, as it were. Pigs do that, don't they? But God's people, true Christians, true sheep called and commissioned, are those that follow the Lord. Dear friends, if you turn your back on God, you walk in darkness, you're prone to the enemy of our souls. I don't know the, the Christian soldier really takes up, takes Christian soldiers, here's a call to take up your spiritual arms this morning and every morning by faith and through fervent prayer. There is much work to be done, isn't there, for the Saviour? There's much work to be done for the Lord. We are servants. There is much ground to be taken for the Lord. There is a great work to be done. There are spiritual battles to be had and to, to be engaged with. That's why we're called, we're commissioned, as it were. We're, we're citizens of heaven. We're not saved for, for our own purposes. We're saved to be commissioned. When every person who is truly saved is commissioned. To have, they have an obligation to serve the Lord in every walk of life. There is ground to be taken. We, we must be those who, who progress from fighting against sins, and that should be a daily things, to getting involved more in the spiritual fight. And so often have I seen it. And it's so discouraging, you see Christians, and they're so, they're so involved in themselves and their own things, they never ever truly get involved in the, in the, in the bigger fight, as it were. In, in the real fight, the one that's going to matter, they're so involved in fighting over their sins and all these things, and that is good, but they never actually get involved in actually taking ground in the local church and being dedicated to the Lord's work. And in the fight they see, oh, oh, that's looking ugly. Now, I don't want to get involved in a local church. That means I've got to give up my Saturday, I've got to give up this time, and people are going to swear at me, and people are going to do this in the open air. And, and it may cause me some heartache. Oh, I'm not going to do that. You never really progress as a Christian, do you? And if you are a true Christian, you're going to go to heaven shamed, really. Shamed for you, as it were. You're never really committed to the Lord in this respect. What a shame, dear friends. Don't be at ease in Zion. Be found, ready, prepared, dutiful, watchful, as it were, until Christ returns again. Amen.